0: This morning we're continuing our series of our study in the 1st Corinthians. We're on chapter 15, and chapter 15 is a whole chapter, 58 verses, is about the resurrection. Not only about resurrection of Christ, but our own resurrection at Jesus' coming. So it became a series within a series. This is a fifth uh, message on the chapter 15 and the resurrection, and to anticipate the climax, the next Sunday's message will be actually climax of resurrection victory. We will see the death of death. It's an exciting passage, but for all of us who've been journeying through this First Corinthians. Uh, the resurrection becomes a hinging point or the central point of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let me give you just a really brief uh, recap so far. There are four truths about resurrection that Apostle Paul is bringing up. The first one is the resurrection is central to the gospel. 21st century Christians are very familiar with with the cross of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. And oftentimes we stop there. But in the first century, just decades after Jesus' death, crucifixion on the cross, their lives were transformed. Their main message, witness, was about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was the gospel and it is continually is the gospel because without resurrection the atoning sacrifice on the cross of Jesus is nullified. The resurrection of Christ validates Jesus as the Son of God and the Messiah who is promised all throughout the Old Testament. The second point is the resurrection is indispensable to our salvation. And Paul imposes this question, what if there was no resurrection? That we will be still in sin. The Christ would not have been raised. And there is really no true salvation at all. So it is indispensable to our salvation number three truth is a resurrection is radical in its effects on us and beyond radical in the sense that Jesus resurrection is not just the Savior's resurrection but he is the first fruits the prototype of our own resurrection at his coming but so far, I think that's the kind of good news that involves us, and we respond with interest, but the scope of its effect is far beyond our own resurrection. God's sovereign plan is to restore what was created from the beginning. So because of the fall of man, uh, because of Adam's sin, total depravity, pervasive depravity came into every sin. every person's heart who were born from Adam. Obviously everyone. But Christ came in as a second and last Adam, created this uh, new human race in Christ as we come to him through faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone, that we will experience this restoration of the world that God has created. Every knee shall bow to Christ and confess that Jesus is the Lord. Though our enemy, threefold enemy, the sin. The Satan and the final and last enemy, the death, has been won. Christ has overcame and became the Lord of lords and King of kings through the resurrection. And last Sunday, uh, we thought about it's not only radical in its scope, but resurrection is impactful on our daily lives practically if we really believe the reality of resurrection we would be concerned for our loved ones and their salvation their life after death we, we will be also concerned but what we are living for you know this orange county what am I sweating for uh, Worried about and concerned about loss, lose sleep over. Is it career, money? Is it even our family and babies and children in schools, houses? Or is it Christ who is our Savior and who will invite us to reign with him as a co It's an incredible concept for eternity. And Paul is basically saying, if that is true, what I am suffering right now, I'm close to death, experiencing close death every day because of persecution, because of volunteer suffering for the gospel of Christ, it's all worth it. It's a convicting, challenging uh, truth that Paul is bringing. And it it goes even far beyond our everyday life should be really moved into in such a way that Christ becomes our most treasured joy. Just think about that. Christ is not someone who helps me as a means to my end, my own happiness. But the end is the most treasured joy is Christ, and God Himself, and as we seek to live for Christ, to have our chief end and goal in life is to glorify God, not to get something that He will give us, gifts, but to bask in the glory and joy of the gift giver. the life giver, for eternity. That's a powerful thing. And today, as we're turning to uh, some of the skeptical questions that Paul is uh, raising himself, and he's such a a thorough, uh, logical uh, person, and he already knew about the skepticism and confusion. And then we need some uh, background and context. Starts with verse 35. But some will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? It sounds like a two different questions, but actually it's a one question in greek culture in first century uh, as i mentioned several times there are only two type of polarized beliefs uh, epicureanism which is very much of a naturalistic and materialistic person who's saying there is nothing after this life so eat and drink tomorrow we die that's the attitude And, you know, the hedonistic culture in which we live with a lot of people who live like that as well. But Plato, who was a leading philosopher who influenced their culture, Greco-Roman world, also believed that dualism. Dualism is simply saying the materialistic thing is bad and immaterialistic things are real and good. So our spirit is good and body is bad. He even called the body our prison. And if you are in living in prison, you die, and you li- continue to live in spirit, why would you want to have this imperfect, weak body? That was the idea. And then it goes, even spills over to our speculation also too. When the new Christians or the people who are misled to believe about a resurrection, thinking that Oh, what about those people who bodies were burnt? The Christians, how how will God raise them? What about those people who uh, died in the shipwreck and their bodies are all entangled with each other? The bones, uh, whose bone is whose? Whose leg is whose? And Paul is is to not mince he doesn't mince words, his answer becomes with very straightforward, you foolish person. You are absolutely senseless. And then he brings up his logic and his reasoning for that. But even in, the, in, the, in our world, we're really concerned about, some of the people are concerned about, about this resurrection, complexity of resurrection. And two thoughts as we begin. If God created heaven and earth and you and me, will God have any problem restoring? If we believe the first, why would second be matter from Christian's point of view? The second thing is a common misconception about resurrection. People think that is a restoration of the dead body through the re, uh, resuscitation. There are some people who raised, and even in our uh, popular books, some people will say that I died for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or one hour, and I came back to life, and they experience all these different kind of supernatural things. And even Jesus rose, Three people, in the, including Lazarus, his friend, from the dead. But all those bodies were restored from their deadness will eventually die. The resurrection body will not die any longer. So Greeks misunderstood this part. And he begins with a very interesting analogy. The question that we're simply asking is those combined questions. What kind of body will the dead have? Will the Christ, Christians who died in Christ have in resurrection? The first one, and I'm going to give us, like for us to study through this chap- uh, chapter. And if you uh, have a Bible, you go ahead and look through that even ahead. The pairs of words come up and observation. So first word is seed and plant. And simply put, in verse 36, you foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel perhaps of wheat or or some of other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen to each kind of seed its own body. It's simple as that. Take a look at the nature. You will see this resurrection principle, which is miracle if you really think about it. Have you seen the seeds? And then, you know, some of our friends who are into gardening and my mother-in-law plants uh, the vegetables, uh, tomatoes and cucumbers and all different kinds of things. It's a seed, but all of a sudden the seed sown is decomposes, died in a way. That what is bringing up is not the seed, but it's a different kind of thing, plant and crop. And Paul is saying, the resurrection body. Is not the same as what is sown, which is dead natural body. It will be different. That's the point. The first point is that it will be different. Our resurrection body will be different from the body sown in death, just as the plant is different from the seed. Simple enough, isn't it? Apostle Paul's driving the point that open your eyes what God is capable Uh, and what God has designed in nature hints us about the resurrection we have a a little bit of difficulty understanding this Um, I don't know about you I'm a city boy I've never worked on farm or even planting or gardening and uh, I don't understand this process of seed and planting and waiting and farming, gardening. So this is kind of new territory, isn't it? So it's theoretically understanding. The second thing is, I know what cucumber looks like. I know what watermelon looks like. So when people tell me that this is cucumber seed, Or the watermelon seed. We're gonna sow it in the backyard. And then I would explain, I would expect, oh, that was what it looks like. But the resurrection body, the only example we have is Christ's body. Christ when Christ was resurrected, and it complicates a little bit. Yes, we will become like Christ's body. But how far is his his divine nature showing up after the resurrection? So remember, he he went through the closed door and the wall, and as if he uh, didn't have any problem, he didn't break down the wall. He went through that, but he was not spirit, a ghost. He was actually materialistic body, different kind of body, and he will disappear once and show up in another but he actually had scars in his hand and inside. And the scholars say that when he, this was before ascension, when he went up, to the, uh, went up to heaven to be seated on the right hand of God, the Father. That, that expression is basically, think, of, think about the throne of king and home, someone who is sitting on the right hand side the second most powerful person in the universe, that kind of order, the expression, not the people is that we literally believing in everything, and you know expecting God will be sitting in one chair and Christ is. This is nonsense. Think about it. The really the spiritual realm is hard to understand for us, and that is a picture the New Testament gives us so if that's the case the scholars will say there's a two glorification two transformation happen one through the resurrection one through the ascension and some scholars I I would agree uh, at least theoretically will say the scars in his hand might have been gone now because he went up to heaven who knows we we don't have to speculate what we do not know but God gives us through his grace through his revelation enough for us to know to hold on to have a certainty of hope so the point reiterating the resurrection body is not the same body the dead body resuscitated but a different new body raised from what is sown. And God chooses to give it to us. Second answer, he used form and glory. Or should we say variety of bodies and glory. There are two aspects of it, two angles to it. Uh, But let's summarize first. Just as God gives a variety of bodies to the creatures and creations, it will be a form of a unique body that fits eternity. Verse 39. So in that summary, see if you could understand what we are reading. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind of one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of heavenlies, heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. So the first point is really thinking about each creature's getting fitting body with an instinct, natural instinct comes in, right? So we will see even National Geographic and the ki- you know the elephants give birth and all of a sudden this the baby elephant is standing up and walking and following his mom incredible and fish doesn't have to learn to swim and birds doesn't have to learn to oh in some degree training in the same way that god has given very different kinds of bodies. And he chooses, sovereignly chooses to give it to it. Then he goes on to the next level, the heavenly bodies basically sun and moon and stars. they, They all look the same but each one of them is very very different from each other. And their glory and its manifestation is different. The light is different. And there's two things going on now here. We will be all resurrected in Christ. And we will receive the resurrection body after the prototyped Christ body. But it will not be a clones that everyone, like a Star Wars, everyone looks the same, right? Number one, or Terminator number one, number two, number three, you know. So, in a way, that our body will be a gloriously changed or transformed body that fits for eternity. So, think about it glorious eternity, eternal life that that body fits it. But, and yet, oh, by the way, C.S. Lewis said, because of this sanctification, ending up to the glorification, when we see each other in new heaven and earth, we will have this urge to bow down and worship. Think about that. So This person is so glorious and like, you know, the Apostle John bowing down to try to uh, worship before the angels. Don't do that. I'm just like you. Would you stand? Right? So, but the point that I'm making is the body that fits for eternal glory, the heavenly realm, requires a different body, but unique way. That God is giving us immortal body. And if you're hearing for the first time and if you're not a believer that is incredibly off the wall thing. Christians do really believe that? Yes we do. God's word has a superseding supreme authority over all our faith and conduct. And if you really believe in the reality of this kind of body so think about impact, ramification of hope going into all these dark thoughts about and fears about not only death but about even aging process. Someone asked me, why, why don't you run? And I, it's not an excuse. <laughs> I, have a, I, I used to be a soccer player so I, and you know, I was always mind my mind is so young when my, my body doesn't follow. So our 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 brothers really keep me playing soccer from this point on because every retreat I got injured. And I can't really run anymore. It's just my body weight is too but too heavy on my knees, I guess. So I swim every day. Monday through usually Friday or even Saturday. So aching body is there. But in the resurrection body, our body will be no longer experience those impediments. Going ahead, a little bit of a preview that fits into what we are studying right now is verse 50. This is a verse that we're going to start next Sunday. Apostle Paul says this, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. In in a way that Paul is summarizing what he's been talking about, and in my own words, we need a body that fits for eternal glory. Isn't that awesome? Glorious. Number three, pear is sown and raised. What is sown is natural, mortal body, but what is raised will be a supernatural, immortal body. Verse 42 He lists out contrasting facts. Uh, between our natural body and the resurrection resurrection body so it, it, so is it with the resurrection of the dead what is sown is perishable what is raised is imperishable what is sown is dis, in dishonor what is raised in is in what is raised it is raised in glory sorry it it is sown in weakness it is raised in power it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also spiritual body. So summarizing what he's talking about is referring to the natural body that we have inherited from first Adam, he lists out our body, what is sown, is perishable in dishonor, in weakness, a natural body. And out of the translation, we'll say soulish body. Whenever you read soul in the Bible, there's two kinds of use on it. But a lot of times our mistake is thinking about soul as S- something as a, like a spirit, no more often the soul is pointing to the natural being as a human being. or sometimes it will be translated as a flesh. two shall become one flesh, one soul, one being. Uh, so in this sense, it points to the natural Natural body. Another term. In our even uh, New Age culture, That whenever we read spiritual, we think about very spiritual person. Like a godly, in Christian setting, it will be godly, very spiritual body. So we could think about, a misunderstanding could be, once again, immaterial, Uh, Plato's influence on us, Christian thoughts, say that, yes, there will be resurrection, but it will be a spiritual body, meaning that immaterial body, like a spirit flowing around. No, Paul is not saying that. Paul is actually contrasting between the natural and the spiritual. So we could even say natural and supernatural. That's what it means. So, what is raised is imperishable. It will not die no longer. And it is in glory and power and supernatural body. So, when you think about the, the relevance. Or the equivalence of uh, literature and uh, human thoughts and philosophy and uh, religion. It is a super god, the superman kind of uh, our limitation of imagination, really, under the, without the guidance of the Holy Spirit and, and the revelation, we tend to think about Greek gods right greek god who has supernatural power he doesn't die or she doesn't die but internally there's all kinds of human depraved thoughts and mind and jealousy and all different kinds are going on it's just they're super being In our salvation, it's a complete salvation that Jesus washes away our sin and restores us by giving a new heart. And then the body fits into that imperishable body ready for eternal kingdom. Once again, if you ask me uh, the questions like um, uh, will we be able to recognize each other? Of course. That far we, we know from the scripture, right? Um, even Moses and Elijah showed up in you know, some kind of form in transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain they didn't have to be introduced by the way guys this is moses this is so it is really intriguing to really think about our body the all frailty will be gone my son's autism will be gone my brothers speech impediment will be gone. And just like when I was younger, my glory days, I I will be, I used to be once called muscle way. (laughs) We will be transformed, but we'll be able to actually recognize each other instantaneously. Fourth and last, uh, he brings up these two uh, phrases once again to understand, help us understand first Adam and last Adam. Actually, this idea was introduced earlier passage, isn't it? First Adam and second Adam. I think this passage is using this term last Adam to put a period and there's no other third Adam and fourth Adam. Christ is the last Adam. Let's summarize first so we could understand what we are reading better. Adam is the one from whom we inherited our earthly bodies but Christ is a life-giving spirit as the prototype of our resurrection bodies. Verse 45, Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. That's the word. Being is living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit, but it is not the spirit, spirit, spiritual that is first, but the natural and the, and the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust, referring to us. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven, children of God in Christ. Verse 49, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Why? Because he is the son, the capital S son of God. And we shall be sons of God. And that's not a the male chauvinistic phrase. But the, from, the, from the Greco-Roman culture and from the Jewish culture, the sons of somebody meant person who inherits co-heirs of the really true children. So, we could think about it as children of God who inherits God's kingdom with Christ, the Son of God. So, in that sense, it becomes much more clear. First, Adam was a Mere human living being. But the second Adam was necessary because anyone who is born from Adam, because of sin that came in, because of Satan's temptation, allude, allude to him to the sin, the original sin, that, which brought the pervasive sin nature, a total depravity, which leads to the death. So everyone who is born from Adam, there is death. But by grace, God provided Savior, perfect man, Christ, who died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin, who who was raised from the dead to be the first fruits of our resurrection. So anyone who is in Christ, by grace, it doesn't des- we don't deserve it. Through faith, simply open hand, receiving childlike faith, and in Christ, everyone in Christ will have resurrection body, resurrection life. The big picture of God's sovereign plan is that, that God's new human race will be his children, his family. And his family members will look like his son, the Christ. Of course, we're talking about in character in our transformation. Sanctification means we become more like Christ. So, Apostle John, writing to the first century church in 1st first letter of John chapter 3 verse 2 writes this beloved we are God's children now and we will be what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears Christ appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is so, uh, I want to conclude with something very practical. Otherwise, it becomes, um, I'm not that theological person. I'm not that theoretical person. So, it sounds all good, but it's so detached from me. And as I kind of alluded to my own life, we have family members. in our prayer requests in our church, there are several of our loved ones who are suffering with cancer, starting with our, our own brother, Bryant, who just went through a five-hour surgery to get rid of this cancer, and, and three rounds, four rounds of chemotherapies awaiting. Hyojong has two, uh, three sons, and one of them is one-year-old twins. So think about impact of that family. Um... The three three sons, I'm sorry. And another child is a daughter who is three years old, past just three years, three year b- birthday who has all kinds of health issues that she has to be hospitalized all the time, hooked up with a machine. So he this is his a lot. So thinking about it. And every time when Hyojung Talks about her, her, her daughter Zoe. Her long longing is to bring her to home, not leaving at a hospital. And our church people and the friends are have a regular visit, and um, that, that, that's a beautiful thing. But the hope is, oh, it's not that God is providing good health care here, and at least they're in the United States. They don't have to worry about all these medical bills. Hope is not that. Hope is not even the fact that uh, Brian will be able to walk and he will be able to drive. He will not have a drop foot. Go on and on. The hope is for eternity. As I mentioned, my, I have a brother who is just about two years older than me who is also pastor incredible teacher much more spiritually insightful than I and a couple of years ago he had a brain disease neurological disease incredibly difficult disease causing slow death and by God's grace and miracle happened the disease stopped the infection stopped but whatever is damaged is a long journey to recuperation so he had to resign from the church that he planted. There's no source of income, regular income. He has a speech impediment. Of, to say one sentence, it takes so much energy. In the beginning of uh, uh, his 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 disease with this PML, we used to joke about the fact that he's, he used to be such a fluent speaker and very fast talker and like, like I, I'm, I'm really I was, gets tongue tied for everything w- no matter whatever language that I speak. <laughs> so I, I'm so slow and people used to say um, when I'm talking on the phone there's a long pause. Can you at least play some music back <laughs> And we used to joke that, well, Paul finally, I, my brother Tim finally speaks the same speed that Paul speaks. In the beginning of now, he can't even say a one full sentence within a few seconds anymore. And his right side, right hand is impaired, so he cannot write. He's a writer, he's a translator. whenever I visit I do have a heaviness in my heart going through all the um, denial stage and anger stage and sadness and moodiness and depression but to, to see my brother living with just wholeness, shalom I usually get comforted by him by his joy, rather than trying to comfort him in whatever that I my love language is bringing food and you know he loves this Persian food and Mediterranean food uh, sushi and different things, but it doesn't come close in what he really longs for and that's why he's so fine do you have a family person like that, loved one Are you concerned about your own frustration like me? There are some of the characteristics I'd like to change, but I cannot. because it the way that I'm made in this frailty of this body? And the resurrection body becomes such a relevant news for us. Let me introduce another person. A person by the name of Johnny Erickson Tada. Johnny Erickson Tada had a diving accident at the age of sixteen, back in 1967, I think. And he, instantaneously, he be, she became quadriplegic. From her neck down, everything was pa- paralyzed long period of darkness but as a Christian who has a hope in the resurrection she paints with her with her, with her mouth and she has a radio station, radio program who, that gives so much powerful hope to many, especially people who are who just became paralyzed any kind of physical health problem she wrote a book Heaven, our your final home. And actually, I heard the bits of it from her radio programs several few years ago. I think several years ago. The good news is I finally found the code. And let me conclude my message with this. Johnny Eric Santada writes. Can you imagine the hope of this? This gives someone spinal cord injured like me, or someone who is cerebral palsied, brain injured, or who has multiple sclerosis. sclerosis. Imagine the hope this gives someone who is manic depressive. No other religion, no other philosophy promises new bodies, hearts and minds. Only in the gospel of Christ do hurting people find such incredible hope. Sitting here, I was reminded that in heaven, I will be free to jump, dance, kick, and do aerobatics. And although I'm sure Jesus will be delighted to watch me rise on tiptoe, there's something I plan to do that, that may please him more, if possible, somewhere, sometime before the party gets going, sometime before the guests are called to the banquet table of, at the wedding feast of the Lamb. The first thing I plan to do on resurrection legs is to drop on grateful, glorified knees. I will quietly kneel at the feet of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the Lord's table is awaiting for us today. Every first Sunday of the month, we observe communion as our Lord Jesus commanded us to keep. We do this in remembrance. But the remembrance is not an afterthought. It's a forethought of gratific, gratitude and thanksgiving and worship. And my prayer for each one of us will to look to that hope and find such incredible hope in the risen Christ. If you look at the world and look for hope, you will be disappointed. You will be despaired, let alone being discouraged at the what's happening around us so would you come to the table to surrender your hearts to hold on to the hope that someday yes you too and I as well will receive this resurrection body and we too can kneel before at the feet of Jesus in gratitude, in honor, and in full adoration. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this powerful passage that you've given us and re- reveals about the resurrection body we have in Christ Jesus. We're humbled. And we're challenged to turn away from all those vain things that we strive for, that we lose our sleep over. In repentance, we cry out to you. Lord, renew our hearts, refresh our our spirit to return to you, to hold on to this incredible hope that you've given us in the risen Christ. And I pray for every person in this room that you will give them grace to open the eyes of their heart and mind to see this glory that will forever change our taste bud of value system. Jesus, our Lord, the Son of God, we give you glory and honor and thank you for all the work that you have done and thank you that you will be coming to bring us into the kingdom of God with the resurrection body. Holy Spirit, thank you for residing indwelling within us that we are not like left as an orphans, but you guide us and prompt us and calls us and points back to christ to surrender our hearts and we give you glory we pray all these things in the name of the father of the son of the holy spirit